0: Welcome to Holistic Human Performance Podcast. My name is Jenna Bradshaw, where we talk all things holistic health, wellness, spirituality, fitness, meditation, energetics, and so much more to help you become the healthiest version of yourself. Let's dive in. This is not medical advice. This is simply to help you on your journey through health, fitness, and wellness. I hope this helps. You can complement this with anything that you are doing currently in your life. Enjoy. Hey guys, Jenna here, and I am so excited to announce that the Holistic Human Performance Virtual Wellness Center is officially launched. Yep. That's right. We've officially launched. And this is like having a holistic health and energy coach in your back pocket. If you need a five-minute reset, okay, great. What do we have? You need breath work, okay, great. You need a little bit of mobility flow, nutrition coaching, great. You can access all of these on-demand videos and self-paced digital courses for a five-day free trial. That's right. I'm giving this to you guys for a five-day free trial so you can try it out, see if you like it, see if it works for you, and see if it actually is conducive to your lifestyle and it helps you to create change. It is literally like having me in your back pocket. So. Again, I'm giving you this for a five-day free trial. Head on over to HolisticHumanPerformance.co and get your free trial today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Holistic Human Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Bradshaw, and today we have a special guest. We have Sharon McDermott here with us today. She is the author of Unleash Your Inner Goddess, How to Experience an Empowering Pregnancy, Labor, and Birth. I am really excited to take a deep dive into this topic, especially with her experience. Um, She's an acupuncturist, an herbalist. She's an entrepreneur. She owns her own practice, healthy healing. And she truly focuses on women's health, fertility, stress, and pain reduction. And she's also a birth doula. So I'm really excited for this topic it's been a long time coming. I've been looking for the right person, and the universe brought you to me to discuss this topic with someone who has a vast experience in all of these layers when it comes to women's health, um, and you know not only just women's health but health in general from an Eastern medicine
1: perspective. And without further ado, Sharon, welcome. Hi, Jenna. Thanks so much for having me. Um, You're welcome. Yes. Uh, found you through a Newsday article so that was really interesting finding out about your journey which is so cool I like
0: love how that even transpired I read your email and I was like wow that's amazing okay cool so guys (laughs) if you're scared to share your story put it out there because you never know what door will open
1: yeah and just saying that you know it was a little scary at first me writing the book because I um Knew that I would have to talk about myself, <laughs> which isn't right. always an easy thing to do. Right, and so I started it off with uh, talking about my pregnancy journey and uh, what happened with me, and then my journey in becoming a birth doula. So that started off the book. And by the way, I had an editor help me, which was just, you know, unbelievable because I couldn't have written the whole thing by myself. I had to really help have her help me pull it together. So, you know, that's how it's kind of started. But my impetus was because of what I was experiencing when supporting women, um, mostly in hospitals. At that point, I had not really done any at-home labor. Mm. Um, So some of it was very good, but some of it was not so great. And really, overall, even with women coming into my office who were seeking fertility treatment or treatment during pregnancy... They didn't particularly seem very confident or empowered Mm. to either go through the pregnancy or go through the laboring process. So that's really why, you know, I, I wrote this and to give education and also obviously to give women faith and confidence that they can do this on their own. They just need some tools to do that. So that's why, again, I wrote the book and I give various different things, the, the goddess theme came up because I felt like that was something that people can relate to certain archetypes of women. You know, we've heard about it a lot with fertility and um, harvesting, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. So I brought those, uh, you know, goddesses into the book. And but then, of course, I talked about Western medical treatments and Chinese medicine treatments, and also your own patient rights as to what you can ask for what you can refuse as far as treatment so that that's just so important beautiful
0: and i've literally been recommending it to so many of my clients who are literally on the motherhood fertility journey i'm like you need extra resources read as much as you can listen to podcasts listen to people who have um you know <clears throat> knowledge in both sides of the fence Um, when it comes to Western and Eastern medicine and, you know, make a decision based on your body. Don't be pigeonholed into something that doesn't work for you. Like just because, you know, it's protocol doesn't mean it's for you. And I love that you incorporate that because that is so crucial. It's, it's taking your power back truly. Um, I love that. So why don't you tell us about your journey and how you even got into, uh, you know, Eastern medicine, becoming an acupuncturist and just your journey. I, I really like, um, I, I can't wait to hear this. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, so, um, just a little bit of background. I was a professional dancer, singer before I got into this. And then I always had, you know, day job kind of things, right. but I decided to go back to school and, um, did my undergraduate at Hunter college and then was looking for something else. And anyway, a friend of mine introduced me to acupuncture. So I went into acupuncture school. I I got treated myself uh, because I was having a lot of sore throats, um, getting uh, colds, congestion, all this kind of stuff. So Mm. it really helped me out a lot between the acupuncture and the herbs. So I did that for quite a few months, um, probably more like four or five. And then enrolled in, you know, I was enrolled in the school so that was a long process. I didn't realize I was going to have to go through uh, after just doing undergrad, but it became a five-year process because I also got pregnant in the middle of that, of course, getting married, getting pregnant, all that stuff. Um, So my, I mean, I had a great pregnancy. I was was considered somewhat of an older mom. I was 36 when I got pregnant. I actually had a miscarriage before that, but got pregnant rather quickly again. Mm. Uh, And then my baby boy was doing fine, but he was not wanting to turn around. Um, so at, you know, like at 36 weeks, um, they're like, well, he should be like turning now and he's not. And I so mm-hmm. I was doing some Chinese medicine stuff, moxibustion mm-hmm. on this one particular point on the um, little toe, but he didn't seem to be wanting to move. They did two external versions. He still wasn't, I mean, he would move, but then he'd go back. Mm-hmm. So that was like um, in 1999, they still were doing, um, what would be called like a partial breach presentation. He was actually in a full breach. Uh, I, I guess sometimes a full breach is actually easier, but anyway, they weren't going to do it mm-hmm. uh, as a vaginal birth. Right. Um, so I was, you know, saying, they were saying to me, you probably going to have to have a cesarean. So that was very devastating for me. I really didn't want to have a cesarean, but I did. And he was fine. You know, he came out healthy. Um, he did have some hip issues. So he had to wear a brace for, a couple of months. Um, oh wow. Soft, soft uh, brace because he had what's called <clears throat> hip dysplasia. So mm. I explain all that in the book and so that was um, difficult. It was really hard. It was hard um, breastfeeding. I got mastitis. I mean all the things that could happen <laughs> kind of happened. Yeah. Um, and, and at that time I really didn't have a lot of support. Um, if you remember like my mother's generation I mean she's in her 80s now but when she had children they were pushing formula milk and not Mm. that formula milk is as bad as a supplement in some cases but they weren't even encouraging breastfeeding Mm. so my mother didn't really have any idea about breastfeeding even though she came to help me out a little bit and then she had to go back to work so I was really pretty much on my own so you know today there's a lot more support with you know chat groups and all that kind of stuff it's it's really a lot different um I didn't know anything about Um, birth doulas, postpartum doulas. I I probably could have really used a postpartum doula. I did have a lactation consultant, but, and that was somewhat helpful, but it still just wasn't enough. So, you know, I had experienced a lot of things that um, I would hope that other women, it would be an easier, you know, journey. So, Mm -hmm. you know, with that, with the acupuncture, once I graduated, I started practicing and then i kind of got into doing more of the women's health uh, in my practice. I still do pain management and other things, and I treat men too. Um, But this is just something that I found rewarding when someone got pregnant, you know, and then went through, in many cases, through the whole pregnancy with me. But then I didn't see the baby at the end. So that's when uh, I I got certified in like 2012, but then I really didn't do anything with that because my practice was pretty busy. And then uh, I redid it again in, I think it was 2017. So that point, I really, and there was no support really also for getting jobs as a doula. It was, it's kind of difficult. It still is kind of difficult. Believe me. Um, I've heard, I've heard yeah. from a
0: couple of friends who are doulas. Like it's very, I've heard it's very challenging to yeah. get that
1: business going. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things is that uh, it's kind of an extra, um, but there's a, a great site, Be Her Village, which uh, she was a doula, this woman. um Caitlin, she started doing this thing where you could, instead of buying all these kinds of baby gifts and toys and whatever, you could actually get services like a doula. So anyway, that's, I think that's a great idea. Uh, I just given her a little plug. Um, So yeah. So, I mean, that's why I uh, went into doing the doula thing. And then I started practicing, like, I guess it was in 2018 and I got fully certified. So uh, you know, it was um, really interesting for me to to see. It's it a beautiful experience when you see birth. You just cannot believe how what we do uh, in terms of bringing a baby into the world. Um, I guess sometimes more than one, but right. generally I'm seeing, you know, singletons. But, um, you know, it, it's just an amazing thing that our bodies can do. And unfortunately, we've been disenfranchised a lot about our own bodies. And so I put a little bit of... Um, uh, you know, the Me Too movement in here, in my book, and again, the things about the archetypes of women, how to be strong and how to have courage and um, women who are sort of these fierce warrior types like Tarana Burke of the Me Too movement. Um, you know, I mentioned about Nancy Pelosi. She's another one who's just, you know, an incredible woman who basically presiding over pretty much 70% men
0: in mm. Congress,
1: you know, and how mm-hmm. she was able to bring people together. So, you know, taking all these aspects and putting it together uh, in in the book, but trying to show women that, you know, you do have uh, resources at hand. And sometimes you just don't know inside you what you really have until you're kind of tested, right. Until you um, are really given us a life challenge. And in a way giving birth is kind of like a life. It's a, it's a beautiful thing, but it is kind of a life challenge that, you know, you're going through that. And, you know, we used to have our immediate family around us more. Um, some people still do. But I mean, in terms of maternal care, way back, it used to be your aunts and grandparents, you know, grandmothers and people like that, who would kind of be around you with all the caregiving. And mm. so we don't have that so much. And and actually, that many of those women were like a midwife or a doula. I wouldn't say they would actually deliver the baby, but they were there holding their hand, just what a doula does. You know, we do all the advocacy work and we help comfort, do physical changes, you know, like moving around to help the mom, all these things, which, you know, maybe many women don't have today. So that's why having a doula can be really important. And the other important part is that we now have put upon us the medical industrial system Mm. of uh, unfortunately putting a lot of fear in women. And that's why they don't have confidence, I think, in their own body. And, testing, testing and, you know, all that sort of thing. So the midwives are the ones who are really more, um, mom centered and they don't do quite as much of that. And I mean, nothing wrong with OBs and OBGYN, but they just tend to be more medical and, and, um, use that as a resource and then tend to to do more procedures, mm. you know? So, yeah. You know, that's um, where I'm also trying to point out, like, people should know who are these people that you're actually going into their office and talking to. Um, Many people still think that midwives are not in hospitals or that they're somehow, like, barefoot, like, you know, people that are kind of hippie-ish. No, these are very highly trained people, almost as much as doctors, really. I, I say almost because it's just they can't do surgeries and things like that. But right. they're they're doing dispensing medications, they're doing certain procedures, uh, so they they can do prescriptions, um, all of that. So it's it's like educational. We need to let people know that yes, there is an option here. And I do like working with with midwives because they are generally more open and will advocate more for the mom to have a doula, mm. both birth and postpartum. So. Um, You know, it's just that part of it that it's important to let, like I said, let mom know all the different tools that she has available. And yes, it can be more difficult because right now insurance is not covering birth doulas. They've had a pilot program here in New York for Medicaid, Mm. but um, it hasn't moved forward in Congress in Albany Mm. um, for them to put that through. But, you know, this is something that I think people should seriously think about now. And, and people do, there are many people that do come to, to, to people like me and want this service. And I'll tell you a lot of times it's the partner that's also very you know, um, thankful that yeah. they had somebody else <laughs> to help them along. Because, of course, you're going to get the partner involved. And, I, and I'm talking, whatever, whoever that partner is, doesn't matter. Right, but right. They want to um, be involved and they want to do something. They want to feel like they're doing something good because a lot of times they're sitting there and they're sort of nervous about, um, you know, and they, they don't like to see the woman supposedly in pain. And mm-hmm. this idea about being in pain is uh, I'm not going to say she's not in pain, but it's a different kind of pain. It's mm-hmm. not like it's going to be long lasting. I usually say it's anywhere between twelve to twenty-four hours, mm. and it's for a good reason, right? That baby is trying to make its way out from, um, you know, the vaginal canal out, and that has to happen by labor. There's n- there isn't any other way except for obviously cesarean section, right?
0: Right. Um,
1: so, you know, it's helping mom realize that if she's calm and she's within her power. She's going to have a much better outcome, a much better pregnancy. uh, And if she's not getting fear put into her and clamming up and then shutting down, that's where, unfortunately, a lot of labor goes wrong. And then you've heard that term failure to progress. Mm. That's what in many cases, not all, but in many cases, it's because a woman is just going into that flight or fright state, which is a fearful state. And the body's not going to let her do the work that it needs to do in order to birth. So.
0: Right. Environment is everything. You need to have an environment to set you up for success and like not only for you, but the baby.
1: Right. And, you know, unfortunately a hospital is not exactly the best environment because there's a lot of noise, there's machines, there's people coming in and out of the rooms. So by the way, one of the things when you do, a birth plan, which I know a lot of OBGYNs, poo-poo, but this is not something that we're going to say is going to be the exact roadmap. What it is, is an advocacy map, Mm -hmm. which means you can say, I don't want all these people in the room. I don't want an intern, you know, I don't want an intern looking at me, a resident, whatever. I don't, I only want like the minimal number of people that need to be here. Um, I don't want the lights on. I don't, you know, so you can, I mean, there's certain things you can do. I would like some essential oils in the room, if that's possible. I would like to have music, you know, and then other things that that we go more deeper into is to, well, if they ask you uh, to do something like one of the major things now is to have an epidural. Well, these didn't even exist, you know, 25 years ago. Um, So if you were really in your power and all that, maybe you wouldn't need an epidural, maybe you would. And I have seen them work when -hmm. women are really tired. But again, it's not helpful if a nurse or someone else is coming into the room every 20 minutes asking you if you want an epidural, you know? Right. So it's, it's that mindset. It's, it's that sort of starts. And, and when you're in labor, you you really don't have time to make those decisions. I mean, you, there's time you can take, but right. like to process all that, that has to be spoken for in the birth plan like with Before. someone like me way before yeah. right way exactly. before so you have an idea a plan of what you're willing to accept what you're willing to do what you're willing to talk out with your partner mm-hmm. um to assess the situation when it comes up and then you can make a decision but if the people are just throwing things at you while and while you're in labor while you're having a contraction you can't do anything else but have a contraction mm-hmm. okay so it, it, it you can't think at that point in time you know mm-hmm. so that's just what um is very invaluable to having all that kind of land as much as we can plan ahead of time, you know? And all these crazy things that are happening, like there's now big business in doing inductions. And that is just something that's in many instances, totally unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is. I mean, I was with a woman who had medical problems. She had to be induced at 36 weeks. And I talk about that in the book. Mm -hmm. That's a different scenario. That's somebody who had some real medical issues that Mm -hmm. had to be taken care of. Um, She couldn't continue much further with the pregnancy. Okay, So, okay, that's a medically induced induction. But some of these are just honestly are elective. And and, and it's not um, anything necessarily having to do with the mom's health or the baby's health for that Mm -hmm. matter. Mm -hmm. So really understanding what are these things that the doctor is asking you these procedures to do. Um, it, that, that's important. So that, I do touch on quite a few of those, you know, not every single thing uh, because a lot, there's so many different types of procedures um, around labor and delivery, but um, I try to get to some of the, the bigger ones, you know, so I'm, I'm just mentioning some of those that have become really apparent. So, you know, you can say no, you can say, Look, if there's not going to be any harm to my baby and I'm good, I'll just wait. And by the way, just to, I was just reading the statistic again the other day. Only three percent of due dates are accurate. Three percent. That's it. That's it. So these due dates are just, in a way, kind of silly because they there's not it's not really any um, time accurate time frame. OK, because mm. there isn't really an accurate it's not totally accurate, unless, of course, if you've had IVF, it's it's more accurate because they know, OK, when the sperm in the right, IVF right, joint, okay? right. Right. <laughs> other than that, you know, we're, we're guessing um, and it could be a two week difference. So to to try to induce somebody at what we think is thirty nine weeks may not be thirty nine weeks. It could be 37 weeks, or it could be 40 weeks, or it could, you know what I mean? Like, so, and a woman's pregnancy is at least 40 weeks, usually. Now they're trying to say that the baby is, well, it's it's fully gestationally viable, you know, at 38 weeks anyway. Uh, But, okay, but there's still stuff that's happening there. Like, you know, the lungs are still forming and other things. Um, The baby is still growing. So... I, I personally I don't buy that argument you know uh and
0: so and I feel the- like I fe- sorry to cut you off but no, I feel okay. like it invokes like fear in the woman and like the partner you know where it's like well we were supposed to be due at 38 weeks and it's not happening and we need to do this and we need to do that and it invokes this like yeah. frantic like we have to control the moment situation when like that's not what the body wants to do. And obviously there are some cases,
1: of course, but 3%, that's nothing. No, and so what, and what you're just saying is, well, who is controlling this situation here? Exactly. The doctor is controlling, you know, or sometimes it's a midwife too. Yeah. Um. So that's where it's really important to keep your stance on what you want for yourself and for your labor experience. Uh, and that it it does not become dictated by the doctor's time schedule, which is pretty much which has been happening. And what has happened for not just labor and delivery, but of course, a lot of medical um, procedures. um, I mean, first of all, labor is natural and they're turning it into a disease process, which should not be happening. Right. Right. And So that's number one right there, the stark difference between anything else that may be happening, why you would go into a hospital. Mm. So um, then, okay, so now we have this medical complex that wants to be like a McDonaldization of medical care. And what do you have to do for that? Well, you got to pump everything out the same in a time clock fashion efficiently Mm. and keep it moving, you know, Mm -hmm. because we need to get, As many people in as possible. So that's the problem. You cannot tell when that baby is really going to come, and a labor needs time. Yeah. Mom needs time, baby needs time, labor needs time. And you need time also in between to make decisions. You need time to rest, you need time for other things. So that doesn't fit into that kind of medical model too well, you know? know, and that's why there's a lot of pushing going on with trying to make things happen. Like you said, like, oh, we got to do something. And no, we don't have to do anything. Just let mom do what she, her body naturally does. <laughs> so right. that's that's it, you know? Um, so, so speaking of
0: that, one of my friends is in North Carolina and the experience from first baby to second baby was tremendously different. The first baby she was in New York And I believe, but she, you know, she is the one who told me this, that they basically force you to have the baby while you're on your back. But in North Carolina, she was able to get into any position that she wanted to deliver the baby. And she said it was like night and day, which is also really crazy. So Mm -hmm. can we like talk about that? Because (laughs) I think this is such an underrated topic. It like blew my
1: mind, actually. So, again, it's another control factor, and this is a easier uh, for the doctor to have the w- woman on her back for examination, for, for obviously seeing the baby to get it out, okay? But um, it's not good for mom or the baby because, as we know, gravity needs to help the situation. And once you put mom on her back, she's already leaning back backward and you're stopping that gravity. And also what's happening is you're closing the pelvis when you're, when you're moving backward like that, like, like you kind of can feel your butt kind of move in a little bit. So that's not good. And so obviously I've seen that some, uh, mostly midwives are more lenient than other um, physicians uh, to helping that situation. Mm. Of course, if you have an epidural, you can't, move around because it's a spinal tap basically and and you know sending medication so it's numbing you from like the waist down um they will take the medication down eventually as you're getting closer to the time of when you're supposed to be pushing um but it's still not a great scenario so this is another control factor where they want you and the other reason is because of the fetal monitor They want that monitor on you at all times. So they know what that baby is doing. Do we need to know that? No, not really. When I've done, uh, you know, now I've done a couple of home births. I was going to ask you this question. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a, it's a a very vast difference. So look, I'm not saying you don't need fetal monitors. You can have fetal monitors, but intermittent, that's Mm. what you ask for. Can I get an intermittent? I don't want that thing stuck on me the whole time because then it's not going to allow me to move around. So that's number two. And so, yeah, if you get somebody who's going to, or nurse or whoever is going to say, yeah, sure. Go walk around. Um, You know um, if it's a Bluetooth, many of them have Bluetooth monitors now, then you can like walk around the labor and delivery unit like here on Long Island. um, Winthrop is one that has one that I know of. I think there's another hospital, I'm not sure which one, but many Mm -hmm. of them don't have it. So you know that's that's the issue with that again, this wanting to monitor everything, um, and it's it's not truly helpful. And uh, by the way, these uh, labors would progress faster if you were not on your back. And maybe your friend had experienced that; it was probably number one more pleasant, and number yeah. two maybe well, number two because she was having number two, it might have come a little faster anyway. Right, but right. You know, it to- probably was a totally different experience for her just because of the fact she could move around, be on all fours or, you know, stick one leg up or whatever. Yeah. Now, I mean, that does happen in the hospital that, again, with some some doctors, some midwives. But um, it just depends on, on and, and, you know, it, it also depends on who you get as the nurses in the rotation mm. of who you're with at that period of time. Right. When you're admitted to the hospital. So you could have some really great nurses could have some not so great they just want to throw you in the bed and let you lay there you know for 10 hours which is is just not good that makes no sense
0: yeah it literally goes against like physics and your body
1: and like what it needs to do well again you're they're not thinking of the mom they're thinking of what they have to do right so it's about what their job requires protocol it's protocol. It's what their job requires that they have to do all this monitoring and writing it down and you know all that, which I understand that's part of, you know what they have to do. But there's ways that you can work around mm. that, okay, mm. so that everybody can get comfortable and be, you know, part of the process. So right. Um, yeah. so yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear your friend had a, a better experience. Unfortunately, I wasn't here in New York. I mean, there have been some good situations here in New York, but again, it depends on the hospital. You know the protocols, the who your, you know the nurse was that day, um, all that stuff, and so going to the you know home births. Yeah. um, So I've been working a little bit with one group here on Long Island, Guy and midwives, and um, there's some other there's some other um, practices that do home births, Mm -hmm. and it was just a completely different experience. You know, uh, you're in the comfort of your home, you can move around, you can they usually provide a, a, like a water tub. You can go in there. Um, the first one I did, she did not give birth in the water tub, but she was in it for a while. The second one, she did give birth in the water tub. Um, and you know, it's just like you've got more power to do what you need to do. Now, granted, when you're doing it at home and someone are going to say, Oh, I, I'm not going to do that. That's going to just be too painful. Well, again, these two women were who I was with and they were, you know, relatively young, um, but they, you could tell that they were really in their power, in their body, in their mind, that this was the way that they were going to do it. And they had a few tools to help them. One, her mother, um, had birthed a lot of the children at home, her brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. So she already had that personal experience of her mother birthing at home. And Mm -hmm. then the other one just, um, wanted to to do the birth at home. And she was very good at having a lot of tools at hand. They did a lot. She and her husband did a lot of research. So, you know, you have to kind of plan for that. Yeah. But no, you won't be getting an epidural if you're at home, okay? So, but hopefully because you're going through it with a lot more tools around you, like with someone like me, it's it's really, I think it's very important to have somebody no matter where what situation you're in. But um, home birth, too, to have a doula present. Um, And then, of course, the midwife comes, of course, more or less, just like a doctor does Mm. towards the end. Maybe they're there for, like, the last, I don't know, three, four hours, maybe. Um, Midwives generally will be there for more hours, depending on, you know, who it is. Um, But um, that doctor's not going to be with you for most of the birth. They're only going to be there at the end. Mm. So that's where that's another reason why you probably would want to have a birth doula.
0: Right. Someone to help. Uh, I don't want to use the word control, but control the
1: situation and set well, the tone for you. You know, they're helping you get through the labor. So again, mm-hmm. um, advocating for you um, and, and that's more the advocating part is more obviously more important when you're in the hospital and they start wanting to do things. Right. Um, but you know with working with the partner getting you know um comfort measures like moving her in different positions and hip squeezes that's a thing and of course with me i use acupressure which is something that is an added thing because i know that pressure points to use that are going to help release the you know pressure and and the pain that she's feeling so mm. all that's really important and then i teach it to the partner they're easy to do so yeah. just show like i'll be on one side and then partner will be on the other side, like say with the shoulder, Mm -hmm. um, there's hand points, there's some lower um, inner ankle points, things like that. We can Mm -hmm. be doing the pressure points like that to help her on both sides at the same Mm -hmm. time. And then hip Mm -hmm. pressure squeezing is really helpful to get the, you know, some of that pressure and pain off her back.
0: Mm -hmm. Amazing. Like so many gems here And, and things that, again, so many women are literally not even taught you know, as they're going through their fertility journey and, you know, their their birthing process, labor, like the whole motherhood, the whole thing. I feel like what you just said, the education tool of like, hey, you need to advocate for yourself, get prepared, do the research, pick your team and figure out how, what's going to be the most calming environment for you. Set yeah. yourself up which uh-huh. leads me into the inner goddess. So like unleashing that inner goddess, let's uh-huh. let's unpack that. So let's talk about what you mean by that and how it can help with number 1, women's health, uh-huh. number 2 on your journey through fertility, um pregnancy,
1: labor, birthing, how can that help you? Well, I'm just saying like I'm I want women to honor their own power and wisdom yeah of their own like trust your gut that if you don't feel like what someone is saying to you is right then you should question it or like ask questions um you know about if you go into a doctor's office and you know these days they're doing like so many sonograms on and you know just say do i need to have that many i don't you know really want that yeah um you know, things like that. But I mean, the, the, the goddess power is trying to show that you need to take that back. And, you know, we're already gifted with this within ourselves. We just don't know. We don't know. We, we ha- I think there's just so much today, again, that's sort of um, been in women's faces not to make them feel good. And I think, you know, again, the Me Too movement, I think that was trying to bring all that back and saying, no, you, you have the power to say no, um, particularly with, you know, sexual harassment. things like that but then in this case we're just talking about um patient rights like you know you can say no to things if you don't want you have to understand that you know that's going to be put in your chart if you don't want a specific uh procedure um they're going to note that but you know if it's not life-threatening or something like that i'm not saying you shouldn't do those things of course those things are there for when you really need it but um how to recognize your own feminine love and you know, your own um, endurance, you know, you can do this. See, a lot of women don't think they can do it. Mm. And that's the first point. So of course, then I'm going to talk to them about all those things they should be doing around that, like nutrition and health, the things that you do, that you uh, talk about with mm-hmm. exercise and, you know, getting ready for that. Because in a way, you know, I've told women this and I don't think they want to hear it, but the laboring is a kind of marathon, you know, yeah. they have to be kind of not only mentally, but physically ready to endure that. So, but you know what? Again, that's the goddess component that you can do this. You know, you just, you have to make yourself ready for it. That's all. And there's nothing wrong about that. Yes, birthing is natural and all of that good stuff. But how can you best prepare for it? Now, if somebody is already like an athlete or works out, you know, that's pretty good because they already have that. And then the other piece of course is, you know, is the eating habits, you know, are they healthy? Unfortunately, a lot of women today are, they're stressed, they're working, um, yeah. you know, and then they're not eating properly and we're getting more obesity and we're getting women who are coming in with um, blood sugar issues, you know, high blood sugar and also hypertension. Mm-hmm. So those are two really um can, can be dangerous during a pregnancy. Yeah. Uh, and then that's where all the cascade of what I call the cascade of medical intervention starts happening, you know, so like, let's not have that happen. Let's try to back up and like try to make it so that you don't have to worry about that. Right. And even if you did have to worry about it, people are coming to me. Sometimes they come to me because they want to lower the blood pressure, um, you know, with the acupuncture so that they don't have to do as much of the drug therapy or that's going to keep them low so that they can get to term with the baby. Okay, because that's when doctors start talking about let's do some intervention. So, you know, as far as, you know, the goddess part, you know, I just saw, I I really thought about this later when I wrote the book. But, you know, I was thinking, well, well, what attributes do some of these women have that I supported? And the first, um, my first job that I had, which is in my book that I explained, was a woman who was a little bit older, you know, 37. She was in a second marriage. This was, she had a child with her first husband. Now, she was having a second child with her second husband, but it had been 10 years. So, but she was a mature woman. And she mm-hmm. was, so I called her Aphrodite. So she was more in her power as in her own. So Aphrodite is really the symbol of, you know, feminine um, power, um, goddess of love, right? Um, Venus is the Roman version of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Not if anybody
1: knows their mythology, um, not that I'm like, you know, super knowledgeable on it. But, um, you know, that's one of the things that um I talked about her, that she was confident. She wasn't yeah. worried about any of the stuff. She was with a midwife, which was helpful. But, you know, she was fine with all that. And, you know, I ended up meeting her at the hospital because she did go into somewhat rapid labor. She was laboring a little bit overnight. And by the time we got to the hospital, the midwife was already there. And she had a seven- Our labor which was fantastic you know right and the husband the reason i was there was because the husband was from an african culture that didn't really have men involved at all in birthing but Mm. first of all midwife wasn't having any of that she was going to get him involved and and he did and he and he was fine and i showed him again some pressure points and things like that so she was that symbol of someone who was confident more mature she well of course she had done it before so that's a little helpful right? right it's a little bit scarier when it's your first time and baby and you don't know what to expect that's why again it's important to know all these things going into it all right um and then you know i speak about another woman who who i mentioned earlier actually who was um in a totally different situation um i was had helped her actually through long island dual association as a wonderful program for women who cannot maybe afford to have a doula, you have to meet, you know, obviously an income requirement and all that. But um, so I supported this woman and she was no longer in relations with the father of the child. And so she really wasn't going to have anybody here because she was from another country. Mm-hmm. And she had one other friend who said she might, but maybe she would. She wasn't sure if she was going to show up. So, you know, I was it. I was her support. Um, and then of course, this person who was her friend did show up later, which was good. Um, but I was there and I was there with her the whole time. And so she had to be induced and, Mm -hmm. um, it was a long labor. It was, it was over 30 hours for that labor. Okay. So you see the difference in, in how things can, can vary so widely with labor because she got every intervention pretty much, um, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, I mean, she had to have the induction, like I said, because she was having medical issues, but, um, you know, she was getting real tired at the end. She did have an epidural, it allowed her to rest. Um, and she was a real trooper, you know, she she got through it. And so I wanted to give her a goddess that related to her uh, ancestry, her, where she came from, which was Turkey. Mm. So I kind of, um, you know, so I researched that and I put that into the book. And, you know, that was a fertility goddess in her culture. And so why shouldn't we have that? And the same as in many cultures, as a giver of crops and all that good stuff and abundance. And that's what we want for women. We want them to feel abundant and, you know, loving, even though you're you're going through this sort of difficult thing at the time. In the end, look what you get. You get a beautiful baby at the end, you know. And yes, it's hard. And, you know, it's going to be hard while you're, (laughs) you know, um, after the fact, you know, the postmenopausal part. And that's an even, that's another part that we also do as, as birth doulas, we come in after, uh, about a week after to make sure mom is doing okay and baby is doing okay. And we really now are much more aware of mental health, you know, with postpartum depression and
0: yeah,
1: um, giving, ref, you know, referrals out if we need to. Um, and we do have a really great resource center here on Long Island, Postpartum Resource Center. Um, and then there's one also in Manhattan, um, the mother motherhood center i'm not sure if i said that right but anyway mm. there's a couple of places that are you know good for that where they have counseling and everything um, and good support so anyway it's important for that uh moms have uh, no- knowing that they can have these resources like that and again just the goddess thing is just me trying to show all these different attributes that uh, women have and i and i also tie it into other goddesses um like rihanna um, <laughs> she goddess. is absolutely a goddess <laughs> we know about that Rihanna but there's a different Rihanna yeah, um, yeah. she's, she's mm-hmm. a horse goddess and um was actually written about by um Stevie Nicks
0: uh, oh. from Fleetwood
1: Mac. so you know that just again showing all the that's more of a courage one one of real um standing firm in your beliefs kind of thing uh, so I, I don't know if that, that helps sort of get I love that. Yeah, no, that is of all that beautiful across because I think women need that. Uh, they need to feel strong. They need to know that they can do this and that they have the tools to do it. And I think I feel like I'm a broken record saying that, but um it's true. that's just uh, things that I, I don't know, feel like it's a lot of it's been dumbed down or taken away, you know. I agree
0: with you. No, that is so spot on and you know these different goddess um archetypes you can like definitely research them read sharon's book because it can help you tap into a certain aspect of yourself that you didn't believe in you didn't think you had Mm -hmm. giving you hope and inspiration um i'm a huge fan of goddess archetypes so (laughs) yeah
1: i love it i could share some of those with you
0: yeah Mm -hmm. So as we wrap up, are there any words of wisdom that you would like to
1: leave the listeners? Um, I don't know. I think it's mostly about trusting in yourself, you know, and being educated, and uh, you know, listening to your gut, and knowing that uh, what you think is right is is probably right, and that you should stick with it, and don't let um, someone else assuage you, and hope that you have, you know, a beautiful birth experience when it comes to you, you know, make it, make it, you know, as best you can. Really beautiful. I love that. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. <laughs> so
1: where can people find you? Yes. So, uh, I'm in a couple of places, so I'm on, um, uh, I have my own website, so you can find me at, um, healthy healing and you can find me on, uh, Instagram, I'm Sharon pins. Um, you can find me also on LinkedIn. If you just type in my name, Sharon McDermott. Uh, and also, I mean, if you want to get in touch with me, I am going to offer for anybody here today. Um, like who, who is listening, who wants to call me, I'll give them a free consultation over the phone, 15 minutes, and they can find my book on Amazon, obviously. And it was a bestseller. Just want to put that in there.
0: Beautiful. And also,
1: if you want to get to me by email, you can email me at healthyhealing12 at gmail.com or you can call me. My office is right in Westbury, located in the town of Westbury, right on Post Avenue. And it's 516-410-4297. Perfect. Thank you so much. For
0: any of the ladies listening out there, uh, I definitely encourage you to take a look at what Sharon offers because this information is vital, especially if you want to make the process of fertility, birthing, all of the above in terms of womanhood um, as seamless as you can and taking your power back through that. So thank you so much, Sharon. If you like this episode, like, share, subscribe, and I will see you guys in the next one. Bye.
1: Thank you.